0: Constant Downpour Remastered is a retro sci-fi survival campaign for Mothership one now available for pre-orders on Backerkit. Every hardcover pre-order comes with three free zines featuring retro sci-fi blasters, grenades, and new stim packs to enhance the campaign in your Mothership games. Pre-order Constant Downpour Remastered now on Backerkit. Link in the show notes. <laughs> Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian, joined today by returning guest, Bill Rich, author of Glory Road, and it looks like there's a few other things coming out, Glory Road Sampler and Pulp Solar System. Welcome. Hello. Hello. It's nice to see you again. (laughs) you've been working on a few different things here that you've got that will be coming out. And I was curious to hear a little bit about them, but before we do that, just could you give folks a quick synopsis of what glory road is uh the role playing game, where it came from and everything else. Cause I, I think it's a pretty interesting, unique game out there
1: in the world of games. <laughs> well, it came from my dissatisfaction with uh, the idea that you got hit points as you got better at combat. Mm -hmm. It seemed to me that you could model being harder to hit just as easily as you could add hit points. It didn't seem that was a level of a layer of complexity at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And glory road characters get harder to hit as they get more better at combat. I didn't think that that would become a new game, but then I got intrigued by a, an idea for a magic system. And once you had a magic system and a combat system that were different, I figured I'd just go whole hog and redo character creation and make a new game. It's it's old school in some respects, but it's not OSR because OSR is versions of d d And Glory Road has 10 interrelated attributes. In other words, when you create your character your size and constitution affect your strength. Your dexterity affects your agility. Everything is interrelated. The three main attributes and your size. I was going to ask what the ten attributes. What <laughs> your size, your constitution, intelligence, and your dexterity are your what I call core attributes. They are They don't. They don't affect one another, and they. And they aren't affected by anything else. Mm-hmm. Your strength, you have a random roll, but then you modify it by your size and your con. Your agility, you have a random roll, but it's averaged with your dexterity. And then, if you're big, for, if you're strong for your size, your agility is better. If you're weak for your size, your agility is worse. It's basically athleticism. Mm-hmm. Then your awareness, which is extremely important is a random role, plus you average it with your intelligence. So awareness can differ quite a bit from intelligence. And we know people who are brilliant and academic and have to take time to figure things out. Well, they got a bad role on their awareness. Eventually, they catch up. And you don't want to underestimate them. But in the immediate moment, they're taking their time and they miss the jeopardy question because the buzzer goes off.
0: Now, this game, you've been running since like seven, 1978, is that correct? Yes. I, I Could you speak a little bit of that? Because there's a lot of like hacks that have been coming out in the last 20 years, but this thing is like
1: 45 years it's been around <laughs> being played. Yeah, but we didn't publish it. We were mm-hmm. just playing a game in my living room or CJ's living room or somebody's uh, dining room, and different people ran it. We had... Quite a few players and quite a few different game masters playing it in the New Haven area. Uh, It was played at some of the nice little colleges in Maine where I wish I'd gone. (laughs) uh, One guy moved to London and ran games there. We lost touch with him. There were a couple of people playing it in New York City. Somebody, anything that exists is happening in New York City sometime Mm -hmm. or other. And in 1992, I went to DexCon. And we printed up some copies of the game, and we sold them there. And some people may have been playing it that I will never know about. Uh, Dexcon is in New Jersey. In 2017, I had retired, and publishing on the net with a PDF had become so easy. And I had talked to Virginia Heinlein about using the title Glory Road many years before, because that's what we were—we were using the title because one of the first adventures I ran in the 80s used some of the monsters from the novel Glory Road. And I talked to her, and she said, if I ever published it, I should send her a copy. But titles aren't copyrightable, so I, I had no, no issue with using that title, and she had passed away by the time we published it. But getting back to nine, not, 2017... I was retired, I had spare time. I created a, a PDF of the game and started selling it on uh, drive-thru. Mm-hmm. It did not catch on that well, but some people bought it and I was enjoying it. And I had never used modules in my game running. And even when I ran what I thought was D&D in 1975 and 76, I I can create my own adventures. I did run Keep on the Borderlands once. That was pretty cool, actually. I'm not. I'm not saying it wasn't. But I started writing modules for the game because some of my friends said, you know, I run games, but you don't have any adventures for me to run. So I wrote modules, and then I expand. I started running in different settings because I had my the original setting that I was running in was the one we were gaming in at that time, which was uh, the Westwood. In the Black Mountain District, which is a dwarf kingdom called Glon, most of the characters on the surface are humans, but there's quite a few dwarfs and elves and some hobbits. But it's much, much fewer player character species than 5th edition or even d before 5th edition because, my goodness, it just doesn't make sense for... One planet to have all that many sapient species. Now, one thing I was looking forward to in the pulp solar system would be eventually going interstellar and having a whole lot of species. If I could get the rights to C.J. Cherry's uh, Pride of or that series,
0: I'm not familiar with that one. To be honest, that's not one. That's it's, it has some fascinating
1: alien species. I'm I'm cool with staying with fantasy. I like running uh, adventures where the characters have a lot of decisions to make Mm -hmm. and the decisions affect how it, how it rolls, but their decisions are for their characters, what their characters can do. I don't really go along with this, but you helped me make up the story. It's not a story. The story is what we look back on after we play the game. So let me ask, I want to talk about a little
0: bit more about, the the Pulp, the Space Pulp game, because as I understand it, this is using your Glory Road rules to do a sci-fi setting, or a sci-fi game.
1: Right. uh, Right, it's actually a setting for Glory Road. Okay. It requires spaceship and space combat rules, and firearms rules, but the firearms rules are something we've done several times. I mean, my friend CJ ran a campaign where we where we were um 30 years war uh cavalrymen stranded in a uh fantasy world so we had rules for that era's firearms and i've run a i ran, ran a fairly long western campaign uh where we had fi- so firearms rules aren't that difficult now if they some people think that they should be toting ray guns in a but but i i just the, the ships have uh, laser weapons, mm-hmm. but individuals carrying laser weapons around uh, doesn't work for me. And I'm the one writing the book. So
0: we have, we have a ray gun in the game that we are writing right now. Only our ray guns a little different because it will instantly vaporize anybody by the name of Ray Raymond or Rachel, not your average ray gun.
1: No, no. <laughs> The, Mar- the Martians in the pulp solar system have a, a weapon. I don't call it a ray gun, mm-hmm. but it is basically a, uh, a ray gun. And if they shoot you with it, you vanish. After a few months, people forget you ever existed. And after a few years, everything you ever did is somehow shifted to someone else having done it or it's nullified.
0: So... You're just like a race from time and space, essentially. All yes. Of yes. I, I, no,
1: as far as anybody in the Pulp, pulp universe is con- considered you are, actually, there's a different fate. Everyone vanished by that, reappears somewhere else in space on a planet with each other, wondering what the hell they did to get there. <laughs> but nobody, No, it's not known in game what happens to them. Oh, but they no. aren't—they aren't particularly harmed, except that they aren't there anymore. I appreciate that. So, uh, when the players get hit, do we just have an
0: adventure on a whole new planet in a whole new setting? They could, yes. If a player
1: gets hit, that I—I could run a game for them.
0: Could you give a quick synopsis of the game mechanics of Glory Road and how one would play? Because I know it's not the—it's not a rules light, stripped down type system, from what I understand. No,
1: here, here there are two. Action resolution systems. I really tried to switch to one. Well, I'll explain why. First of all, there's a quick and dirty method for determining what happens in a situation where lots of people are rolling dice and lots of people are making decisions. And that involves a D20 plus modifiers based on your attributes and your skills. You roll the D20. You add, or add those things, then you have a subtraction for a de- degree of difficulty or an addition if it's easy. In fact, it's usually an addition. And if you get a total of 21 or higher, it's a success. 31 or higher, it's a solid success, which means maximum damage. 41 or higher, it's a critical success. And this isn't only for fighting, so critical may be massively good result on something other than an
0: attack. I'm assuming that your modifiers are larger numbers, closer to like 10s and stuff like that from your skills and everything if you're rolling up to a 30s and 40s, correct?
1: No, because the 20 can explode.
0: Oh, tell me about that.
1: When a d20 rolls a 20, Mm -hmm. you roll again. Ah. Anything above Ten. Anything above ten on the second roll is added to twenty. So let's say you roll fourteen on the second roll, you've got a twenty-four. Mm-hmm. Eighteen on the second roll, you've got a twenty-eight. Twenty on the second roll, you've got a thirty, and you're rolling again to add more. Nice. That doesn't happen often. No, I'd imagine not. <laughs> it it meant that uh, very early the. Greatest magician in the game was killed by a 13-year-old boy with a sling because he kept rolling 20s. And he was a non-player character, and I was rolling for him right out in the open. 20, 20, 20. Oh, no. And the guy who had the ca- the magician who'd, you know, taken several months to get up to that level. It wasn't a hugely high level. We didn't have very many high-level characters in those days because the game was young. He he was angry, and then he was Annoyed, and then he was amused. And then he got another character and started playing again. So that's how the D20 works. Then there's something called a task roll, which is based on the attribute that you need for the action plus four times your level. And you're you're trying to roll under that. Mm-hmm. And the way you decide how we, we uh, reflect how difficult it is is the number of attempts you get. A fairly easy task, you get five rolls, and all down to one roll, or if it's really difficult, you have to make it twice. If it's really, really difficult, you have to make it three times. I mean, those things are so interchangeable, those methods are so interchangeable, that in the sample, I give an example of what in the book is a task role on percentages that we've changed to a D20 role in our campaign because we like it better.
0: I, I like I like a percentile role here I, I don't mind different mechanics of my game. I, I honestly, like a lot of the games I played coming up had didn't have one consistent role throughout the game
1: <laughs> well the guy the guy uh one guy who who play who runs a game in France really wanted me to convert everything to the task role, you know, mm-hmm. the percentage role roll under. yeah. but not only haven't I been able to manage it, He's tried it in his game and it didn't work for him. I like the idea, but when you're all rolling in combat, trying to get something, you know, and there's six people rolling, uh, the number of rolls you have to, it's just unwieldy. Although somebody casting a spell in combat still has to do the percentage roll under a thing. Because casting spells is just not amenable to a d20 roll.
0: Before, we, because we're coming up on time quick, but before we go, could you tell me, a li- tell the listeners about what Glory Road Sampler is?
1: It's a series of scenes from actual play, it's a narrative of the scene and then a discussion of the mechanics of how the players and the game master reached that, created that scene and it show it demonstrates that even though it's a crunchy game all of the prep was the crunch and when you're playing all you do is when it's your turn you roll dice add a number that's on your character sheet or try to roll under a number that's on your character sheet and the game master uh has his prep done he he knows how difficult what you're doing is or he's rolling for his npcs and trying to do you dirty, or he's rolling for your allied NPCs. You can have allies, you can have hirelings, you can have friends, you can be working for an evil overlord. I, he rolls for anybody or who's who's playing, any non-player. And it goes pretty quickly. Each round is probably a little longer than a round in Dungeons and Dragons. But things take fewer rounds. People are on the ground pretty quickly, and they don't pop right back up. but it's a low casual it's a high casualty low fatality game could you tell the listeners
0: where they can pick where they can pick up glory road glory Glory road sampler is not out yet right and
1: it'll be up next week the core rules of the game are have been out by the way I sold more copies last month than I ever have oh nice I would still starve if I depended on it for income (laughs) but it was nice. Uh, the first month uh, the game came out, sold about as many copies as it did last month. But that's good. There are a whole lot of adventures. There are adventures that I translated into OSR D and D. For many of my adventures, if anybody wants them, I'm not doing that anymore because I'm well. I was sick of D a long time ago. <laughs> I mean, I would play it if somebody's running a campaign, but I am I was sick of writing about it or trying to run it a long time ago. So I'm not doing those anymore.
0: Well, I want to thank you for coming on. It's been great getting a chance to talk to you again and catch back up. If you're interested, I will put a link to Lori Road and your drive through RPG in the show notes for everybody. Go oh, check out. Oh, definitely,
1: it. please. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm more interested in you playing it than you buying it. Mm -hmm. and I would love it if somebody would damn review it (laughs) because all the copies I've sold, I never get a review. I never get a rating. I never hear from anybody. So you heard that. Please give feedback. If you're picking it up,
0: playing it, checking it out, give a positive review. (laughs) Uh, Where can they find you online? If they want to check, check you out and check your stuff out. Like I said, we will put a link in the.
1: Well, I'm in, I'm on Facebook. And I have a website. If you can find it by just typing in "Glory Road Roleplay," and uh, you'll you'll get to it. And of course, all my products are on Drive Through. Excellent. If you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, give us a
0: positive review wherever you're listening. You can find us on Facebook. Search wildlies and Wizards." WildlingsandWizards dot com is our blog. I'm on Twitter and TikTok at Logar Hale Crom. We're on Patreon. We can use support, patreon.com backslash and wizards. And as always, keep those dice rolling.